Here's the rundown for this edition of the Cigar Dave Show. Number one, my midterm election synopsis. Number two, possible Hong Kong cigar and tobacco ban. Number three, a centenarian alpha male special birthday celebration. From what I hear, it was boobtastic. Number four, sperm counts are plunging. And number five, the birthplace of the buffalo chicken wing expanding nationwide. The Cigar Dave Show is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the Gurkha Revenant. The five-country fusion of exceptionally aged tobaccos will immediately jumpstart your senses for a cigar journey that only Gurkha can deliver. Offered in Corojo, Maduro, and now Connecticut presentations. Fire up a new Gurkha Revenant today. Visit GurkhaCigars.com and by Davidoff of Geneva and their Avo portfolio of cigars, including the Avo Heritage. Crafted through centuries of traditions, Avo Heritage was developed for the cigar connoisseur seeking a fuller-bodied cigar with strength, complexity, and impeccable smoothness. Savor every note of the spice-laden Avo Heritage. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com This is the Cigar Dave Show with the General. The midterm elections took place 11 days ago and the counting is still not finished in various municipalities and states. Specifically, Arizona and the People's Republic of California. We will get to that in just a moment, but first, as always, long ash greetings and salutations, a long ash snappy salute, semper delictatio. Always pleasure, long live the alpha, make masculinity great again, screw the enemies of pleasure, hashtag save America, hashtag MAGA it is. Your global five-star general alpha male-in-chief, Cigar Dave, reporting for duty as always, front and center, and we welcome you. Quick note, if you care to uh, communicate with us electronically, email address CigarDave at CigarDave.com. You can follow us social media, Twitter at Cigar Dave Show, Truth Social at Cigar Dave, Getter at Cigar Dave, Facebook Cigar Dave, Instagram Cigar Dave. And you can always go to CigarDave.com. All of our social media platforms and addresses and links are located right there. Well, my midterm election synopsis. I didn't exactly hit a home run in terms of my prognostications. You will recall the episode right before the midterm elections, I predicted that the Republicans would pick up 52 seats in the House, and they should have, and five seats in the Senate. They should have. They didn't. As of right now, we're looking at around 221 to 214 in the House. There's still around eight or ten races that have not been called in Colorado, in, in California. Here's what's interesting. When you look at New York State, a blue state, even California, blue state, the Republican victories in those states catapulted the GOP to recapture the House. Absolutely incredible. You look at New York State. Lee Zeldin only lost to Kathy Hochul. Remember, there's like 70% to 30% in terms of Democrats to Republicans in the uh, crumbling empire state of New York. Lee Zeldin lost by just a shade over 300,000 votes. The most competitive governor's race in recent memory. Ran a great campaign. I would like to see him run the RNC. I'll get to that in just a moment. But when you look at everything, people are pointing their fingers at Trump and they're pointing their fingers at McConnell. So where do we point the fingers? Is it Trump? People say, oh, Trump can't win. These candidates are extreme. Bad candidates. Excuse me. If you want to see the absolute worst possible candidate quality, look in the, uh, in the, in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Emmett Oz, Mehmet Oz, ran against Fetterman, John Fetterman. You talk about a horrible candidate. Absolutely atrocious. Did that stop the Democrats from voting for him? No. Now, was there uh, shenanigans in Pennsylvania? Sure. Remember, in certain states, ballot harvesting is still legal. I will get to also to get uh, to that in just a moment. But we are going to have to change as... If we are going to win elections, for those of us that are believe in freedom 
and conservative values. And when I say conservative values, let me be very specific. I don't want the government involved in every part of my business. I don't want them in my bedroom. I don't want them in my pleasure palace. I don't want them in my business. I don't want excessive taxation. I don't want excessive regulation. I don't want us going out and spending billions, $100 billion on a war in Ukraine that should have been prevented from the beginning. But Zelensky didn't listen to Donald Trump back in September of 2019. That's the story for a topic for another day. So as a conservative, people say, oh, well, if you're a conservative, then you should believe in this and this. I believe in less government, hands off. And a big issue, whether you're pro or against, that hurt the Republicans, the abortion issue. And when you look at Gen Z, the number of younger voters between 18 to 30 that came out, many of them are independents. They are not registered Democrats. They voted overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly for Democrat candidates. And I said, when the Roe versus Wade decision, federal court decision was overturned, I said, what did the Republicans say for the last, whatever, 30, 40 years? We want Roe versus Wade overturned. It should be decided in the states. Fine. Well, in Kansas and in Kentucky, Not exactly blue states, pretty conservative red states. Amendment on the ballot to limit abortion. Both states, both electorates voted overwhelmingly no. They did not want any curtailing restrictions on abortion. Now, you may be pro, you may be against. That is not the point. The point being is the Republicans for 40 years said we disagree that this is a federal matter. It should go to the states. Well, now states are deciding. When you have Kansas and you have Kentucky saying, we don't want that. We don't want any restrictions. And what does Lindsey Graham do? I want to have a federal mandate to limit abortion. Again, whether you agree or disagree, for 40 years the Republicans said, let people in the states decide. So now that people have the opportunity to decide and they make their case, You've got idiot Lindsey Graham coming out saying, oh, we're going to go ahead and I'm going to propose this. Mitch McConnell wanted nothing to do with it. But the Republicans can't help themselves. They always have to get in the way. And again, I don't give a shit whether you are pro-abortion, you are anti-abortion, pro-life, anti-whatever you want to call it. The fact remains, the Republicans stated we want it overturned, sent to the states, and when there's that opportunity... They want to intercede. And what's a conservative? That means less government. They want the individual to make decisions. You look at the Freedom State here in Florida, where I'm uh, commencing broadcast maneuvers or conducting broadcast maneuvers from Command Center Alpha Humidor 1A in the Freedom State and cigar-friendly state of Florida. We have freedoms, freedom to operate your business, freedom to make a decision whether you want a vaccine or not. That's all about personal choice, personal freedoms. That was one of the reasons we lost. Another reason that we lost, certainly in Pennsylvania, Arizona, look at Maricopa County, they're still counting ballots. Big, big problems in Maricopa County. The fix was in. Democrats voted in huge numbers, mail-in balloting. So what do the Republicans say? Many of the Republicans said, including Carrie Lake, said vote on election day. Now, I vote early. In Florida, we have two weeks of early voting. I go, now, I always, every year, because I don't know if I'm going to be traveling or not, I request a mail-in ballot. Now, in Florida, they have changed the laws. So now, if you request a mail-in ballot, it's only good for two general election cycles. Before, you'd request it, and it would almost be in perpetuity. But when Florida decided a year ago, after the 2020 election, to make uh, changes to secure the vote, they said, nope, we're not going to do unlimited mail balloting. We're not going to send people unlimited. Why? People move. People pass away. People, for whatever reason, just may not be in that particular location. But yet, if you keep sending ballots, people can fill it out. Talk to a friend of mine in Las Vegas. He lives in an apartment building that has a lot of corporate transiency. Where people come in, they have a six-month assignment, a one-year assignment. For example, he said 
He's been there for, I think, now three years. He was supposed to be there about a year, turned into two. Now it's three. But he's going to wrap up his assignment and move back to Arizona where he's from originally. But he said he received in his mail about six ballots, mail-in ballots, to different people. Six different people, same address. They all live there at one time. They don't live there anymore. That's a huge problem. That is a recipe for cheating, for fraud. So in Florida, even though I get a mail-in ballot, I take it with me and I go vote early. I like to go vote in person. You don't necessarily have to vote on election day. The early voting is secure. I take it in and I say, here's my my mail-in ballot. I would like to vote today. He says, fine, no problem. He X's it out both sides. He puts void. He signs his name. Perfect. No problem. They issue me a ballot. You give your ID. They scan your ID. It automatically knows what precinct you are in. So what races, for example, if you're in a certain city council district or a county district, a state legislature district, it prints it out. Boom. Had my ballot. I already uh, ahead of time, printed out a sample ballot because I go research the judges and the amendments so I don't have any delays. I go in, I take the little pencil that they give you. By the way, they give you a black pen that uh, also has on the other side, here in Florida they do, it's got one of those little like rubber bubbles. So if you're using your iPad or whatever and you use that to sign the electronic keypad and then the other side, the regular pen side, you use that to fill in your ballot. I marked my ballot, it went through the tabulator, bing, bang, boom, done. No lines, no tabulator issues, no problems. And many people in the Republican Party said, use early voting. But then you had Carrie Lake, and you had many other people, a lot of broadcasters saying, no, go election day. Well, what did the Democrats do in Maricopa County? They rigged the game. How do they rig it? Well, when you have 30% of the tabulators in primarily Republican districts that are not working, causing backup lines, causing major issues. And then you had two officials from the Maricopa County Election Board saying, no, just drop it in this box number three. Well, what happened? Everybody dropped it in box three? Supposed to be locked, supposed to be secured. You had election officials at the precinct level opening them up, dumping them into bags. There is no chain of custody there's i mean here it is 11 days the attorney general's race is within i think 400 votes and yet every day the numbers keep changing in terms of the number remaining votes to count as far as i'm concerned maricopa county is such a disaster and by arizona law it states that if the tabulator is inoperative it's not working it's not accepting the ballots it should be shut down they didn't And then they magically came out and said, well, it's an issue with the printing paper. The size is wrong. Why isn't it that it didn't happen in the, whatever, 200 and some odd other uh, tabulators? I think there's, uh, what, 300 some odd tabulators, but there was 200 and whatever it was, 10 or 20. No problem. And they were all in blue precincts, in Democrat precincts. The only solution in, in Arizona, Maricopa County needs to do another election. They ought to do it December 6th or whenever they decide, December 8th. But it is too important. There is too many shenanigans, too much nonsense that took place. And now you've got a gubernatorial candidate who's the Secretary of State who has the authority to certify her own fraudulent election. California, they're still counting ballots. It is absolutely unbelievable to me. Florida, we had everything done by what? 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. 99% of the vote was in. Now, if we're going to compete Conservatives in blue states, it's no longer about votes. It's about ballots. It's about ballot harvesting. Got to have a new strategy. You have to decide, you want to be righteous or do you want to be victorious? And I have several Republican friends of mine that have said, well, no, that's not right. You're going to their level. I said, no, you're not going to their level. You are battling them in the sandbox in which they are playing. And if you want to be victorious, enough with the righteous bullshit, and start playing the dirty game the Dems do. You want to win, or do you want to lose? You want to be victorious, or do you want to be righteous? 
The Republicans need to change. It's no longer about TV advertising. Yes, you have to have TV and radio advertising. You hit the low informational voter. That's where you hit. But the Republicans need to start hitting the young people on TikTok. I hate TikTok. It should be banned in this country. All that information goes to the Chinese Communist government. Trump said it. Republicans have said it. The Democrats did nothing about it. But all of a sudden, if they start losing, they'll change their tune. Start going where the younger 18 to 30-year-olds hang out. Instagram. TikTok. Snapchat. That's where you have to have the ads. And it's not just advertising. It's got to be viral. You have to have influencers. Influencers that get out there and put out the Republican and the conservative spin. That's what the Democrats do. Again, do you want to be righteous or do you want to be victorious? The Republican National Committee under Ronna Romney McDaniel is archaic. They are clueless. There's no ballot curing operation. The Democrats in Nevada, Arizona, they have been running these ballot uh, curing telephone banks, getting the list from the election board, who, whose signature didn't match properly, who didn't date it, who didn't sign it, and they are following up and calling. The Republicans are way behind the eight ball. Lesson to be learned. You can learn and win, or you can not learn, keep your head in elections from two years ago, four years ago. Everything changed with the mail-in ballots. Everything. So it's all about ballot harvesting. From now on, it's very simple. In blue states, or states that allow ballot harvesting, when Trump is doing a rally, or any Republican candidates, Carrie Lake's doing a rally, bring your mail-in ballot, fill it out in front of us. We're going to make sure it's signed. We're going to make sure it's dated. Give it to us, and we will drop it off. You have to play by the same standards as the Dems. Do you want to be victorious, or do you want to be righteous? It's a very simple solution. Very simple answer. And then you've got Mitch McConnell, who's sitting on $40 million in the Republican campaign account, Republican senatorial re-election campaign account, that, put, that took 8 or $9 million scheduled to go into Arizona and yanked it. Yanked it. Because Mark Masters said, I'm not necessarily going to vote for Mitch McConnell. So McConnell put himself first instead of putting the party and the country first. Yanked it and put it into our, in Alaska. Put $8 million into Alaska where you've got absolute rhino, enemy of America, Lisa Murkowski, running against a MAGA, America first, dynamic candidate in Kelly Chewbacca. Also a Republican. One way or the other, a Republican was going to win. Now they have that cockamamie ranked choice voting in Alaska. That was the rhinos and Murkowski, her, her posse that put that in because she knew she couldn't win a Republican primary and couldn't win an election running as a, as a Republican. So they put this cockamamie system that favors people. If you don't get 50%, you got to go to the second rank choice. It's, it, it's going to take them a month to figure out who won in Alaska. It's ridiculous. But one way or the other, a Republican was going to win in Alaska. So Mitch McConnell wants to favor Murkowski, puts that $8 million. Had he put two or three or four million into Arizona and two or three or four million in Nevada where Paul Laxalt was running for governor, lost by a very slim margin. The Republicans would be victorious big time. But no, Mitch McConnell, he keeps saying, well, 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 marble mouth Mitch, well, 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 we have better candidates. We need a better candidates. Mark, Mark Masters is a very good candidate. Paul Laxalt in Nevada, excellent candidate. Yet, he's harping, we need better candidates. Not once did he have a vision. Not once did McCarthy have a vision and say, yeah, we're against Biden, but this is our vision. And you had Rick Scott. I love Rick Scott, former governor of, of, of Florida. No Senator Scott, respect Senator Scott, loved him as a governor, had lunch with him at the governor's mansion. Couldn't have been nicer. 
did a great job in Florida. After 2000, he got jobs here. He got the state moving. He's a wonderful guy. But to come up with a 60-page proposal with 128 various initiatives as your platform, I'm sorry. Do you think people have time to read 60 pages? If you can't state your message in 30 to 45 seconds on a note card, you're screwed. And I could have said it very simply. Republicans, we are for freedom. We are for your personal right to choose. We are for drilling. We are for energy independence, which will bring inflation down. We are for getting out of foreign wars. But no, Mitch McConnell, he wants perpetual foreign wars. All these things just never seem to end. They can't get out of their own way. McCarthy didn't do it. McConnell didn't do it. The Republican Party didn't do it. Huge mistakes. So Arizona's still a disaster. 11 days later, we still don't know who the governor is, even though you have the Secretary of State, whatever her name, Katie, uh, I've already tried to to forget her name because I'm so ticked at what took place over there. It's just an absolute disaster. It's an embarrassment that 11 days after the election in the United States of America, we still don't have final results. Still don't have the final results for Congress. Now let me talk about President Trump. Made his announcement earlier this week at Mar-a-Lago. The speech was scheduled to be 30 minutes. Reporters were told it would be 30 minutes. Reporters received advance copies of the speech saying it was going to be uplifting, it was going to be a clear message. The first 10 minutes were fine, but then President Trump went off the rails. And as you know, I supported Trump. I support him for 2024, but he's not he's got to knock off the extemporaneous nonsense. He's got to run a very disciplined campaign. This isn't 2016 anymore, where he was new, he was a novelty. He needs to invent Trump 3.0. And that means staying on message, staying on point. Don't wander back to 2020. We all know the election was screwed up. We know the election was fraud. We're seeing it take place today, two years later, in various parts of the country. We know that. You have to beat the Dems at their own game. But he went off script numerous times and rambled and rambled and rambled. Now, CNN and Fox News, Newsmax all carried the speech. BSDNC did not. Now, after 10, 15 minutes, he started getting off point, and he started getting off the teleprompter. The speech should have been 15 minutes total. That's it, 15 minutes. I'm announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. We did it before. We saved this country, and we can save it again. Have your message. Here's what we're going. We want energy independence. We want to make sure that every American has a good job. We want to bring offshore all those jobs, bring it back here. We want to take on the Washington special interest and the globalists. Have your message down to four or five concise points. But then he started rambling and going on and on and on. And and I was getting, I'm a Trump's huge Trump supporter and I was getting exasperated. I kept saying to myself, stick to the damn message. Stick to the speech. But he talks about when he was back in the White House and Angela Merkel. Then he talks about this. Then he talks about that. And he goes back to the 2020 election. He cannot get out of his own fucking way. And as a supporter, it's exasperating. So what happened? 40 to 45 minutes into the speech, Fox News cut away. Hannity and his panel, they cut away. They started talking amongst their panel. CNN cut away, and then numerous Republican pundits and broadcasters and talk show hosts said, oh, CNN went away, this is, you know, typical liberal, and my answer was no. After 40 minutes, if you're still rambling on, then you got an issue, and Fox News broke, broke away because it was getting ridiculous. It was not a rally. Trump's got to understand, even at rallies, you got to keep it light, bright, and tight. Keep it concise. Don't ramble on and on and on and get off point. So Trump goes on and on and rambles. He didn't wrap up. The total speech lasted an hour and five minutes. And what happened 
to the people that were in the room. A lot of energy early on. And after about 25, 30 minutes, the energy out of the room just left. It was too long. I had numerous friends that were in attendance and, and uh, other people that, colleagues that I know that were in attendance. They told me that after 30, 35 minutes, several, numerous people wanted to get up and go out. Security wouldn't let them leave the room. They started taking selfies. They started losing interest. You cannot get off script. Trump needs to stick to the script. Simple. Your three or four points you're running on, that's it. Stick with it. Hammer home that message. Enough about 2020. Enough about election fraud. Everybody knows that. Got to look forward. If he doesn't, it's going to have a problem. Now, everybody's saying, oh, Ron DeSantis, we're seeing all the globalists, all the billionaires, the billionaires, the trillionaires, as Bernard Santos would say. They all want Ron DeSantis. Look, Ron DeSantis has done a great job as governor in Florida. He was just reelected to another term. Let's see what happens. A lot can change. You'll recall that when Trump got in the, in the race, who were the two big names we always heard? Tim Pawlenty and, and the former governor of Wisconsin. Everybody kept mentioning their names. Everybody kept saying, oh, these guys are, are the great, they're the great hope of the Republic. Remember Bobby Jindal? Oh, Bobby Jindal was going to be great. He's going to be fantastic. He's the guy. Bobby Jindal. Then Bobby Jindal kind of went by the wayside. Scott Walker of Wisconsin. Oh, Scott Walker's great. He's, he could be the next president. Nothing. Tim Pawlenty, Minnesota. Oh, he's the guy. Boom. Fizzled. You never know. It's still very early. Now, are all the globalists, the anti-populists, the guys shipping out the jobs to China and overseas, are they in favor? Uh, are they getting their hooks into, uh, into Ron DeSantis? You better believe it. And DeSantis better be careful because if he is painted as being a globalist and being part of the establishment, it's lights out for him. So it's still early. I thought that uh, President Trump's speech, as I mentioned, way, way excessive, rambled far too long, should have kept it light, bright, and tight. And if I were his staff, I'd make him watch that speech and watch the reaction of the audience and watch Fox cutting away and watch CNN cutting away and say to him, look, this is what happens when you go on. Stick to the damn script. That's it. Stick to the script. And the nonsense that, oh, we have all these thousands at rallies mean more votes. No, it's not about votes. Remember, it's about ballots. Now, maybe at future rallies, they'll ballot harvest. That's what needs to be done. Play the same game as the Democrats. A couple of other items about the elections, and then I want to get to the International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony. We've always talked about the last month or so, everywhere you go, more cannabis, legalized cannabis operations, retailers opening up every corner. I mentioned that a, a cannabis retailer is going to be opening up in Circle K locations, convenience store locations in Florida. Here's another uh, a, a example of various states that have legalized marijuana. In Missouri, the ballot measure Removes, there's a ballot measure that removed the ban on the purchase, possession, consumption, use, delivery, manufacture, sale of marijuana for personal use for adults over the age of 21. Guess what? It passed. 53% support. They're going to impose a 6% tax on retail sales of recreational marijuana. I wonder how that relates to cigars. Let me take a look real quick here. That would be interesting. Let me look. Missouri cigar tax. Let's see if I can find out... Let's take a look here. Okay, let's see here. Let me just take a look. Let's see. Here we go. Oops, hang on a second. I just missed it. Here we go. Cigar taxes. Let's see. Missouri, 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 Missouri. Well, what do you know? There is a 10% tax. So get this. If you want to smoke a cigar, buy a cigar, you get slapped with a 10% tax in Missouri. But if you want to buy weed, 6% tax. Anybody see the problem there? Just like all these smoking bans. Oh, you can't smoke cigars on golf courses, on sidewalks, on the beach. Oh, but you want to go light up a joint? Please go ahead. Be my guest. Be my guest. 
in Maryland overwhelmingly approved the legalization of marijuana. 65% of voters voted for it, uh, favoring the legalization of the use of cannabis by an individual who is at least 21 years of age on or after July 1, 2023 in the state of Maryland. There you go. So in Missouri and in Maryland, it passes. Arkansas voters rejected it, and North Dakota voters rejected it. Quite interesting. It just seems that there are, there's more permissibility to smoke a joint than there is a cigar. Now, well, I've told you many times, we all hear the Dems, the Libs saying, you're not old enough to, to smoke a cigar until you're 21. We need to raise the age from 18 to 21. You're not smart enough to smoke a cigar because your brain is informed. You're not smart enough to have a cocktail, to have a beer until you're 21. You're not smart enough to own a personal firearm until you're 21. But what do the Dems say? If you're 16, you're plenty smart to be a voter. A youth-driven push for a ballot measure to lower the voting age in Culver City, California, Measure VY, no, no relation to Measure KY, but Measure VY, asked Culver City residents, should people the age of 16 be allowed to vote in city and school board elections? The latest numbers, I just checked them. The yeas are 48.8, the nays are 51.2, a difference of 332 votes of about 14,200 votes cast in Culver City, California. So that is going to go down. But isn't it amazing? We always hear, oh, you're not smart. Your brain isn't developed enough. You can't make a proper decision to buy a cigar until you're 21. Or to have a drink till you're 21. But voting? Sure. 16? No, no, no. Let's make it 14. One of the advocates for this lowering the age, a gentleman by the name of Andrew Wilkes, the chief policy advocacy officer for Generation Citizen, a nonpartisan, sure, national civics education organization that provided support to measure VY proponents. Forget the nonpartisan. They're lib, you know it. And he said something interesting. He says, this represents, because of the landmark number that they received, roughly 48% in the vote, it says, this shows the absolute need and desire for young people to participate in our democracy. Well, I have a, I know many people that are 18, 19, 20, who have a need and desire to have a, a cigar. I know plenty of adults that are 18, 19, 20 that have a need and desire to have a beer now and then. Yet, they're unable to. So it's okay to vote if you're 16, but it's not okay to smoke a cigar by libation if you're 18. You've got to wait till you're 21. The hypocrisy is absolutely amazing. And the vote 16, the, the, this initiative, this measure VY, where the Vote 16 proponents argued that research showed that 16-year-olds have adult levels of cognitive capacity. Okay, but yet at 18, they don't have the cognitive capacity to decide if they want to smoke a cigar or have a beer. The hypocrisy runs rampant. Just absolutely amazing. And speaking of restrictions on cigars, tobaccos, in fact, I think my hotline is ringing right now. I think that's President Trump and the RNC calling me right now saying, General, what are you doing? You are attacking us. I'm going to tell, I'm going to be honest, going to tell like it is. I want Trump to win in 2024, but his speech just didn't do it to get things off on the right note. The first 10 minutes, fine. The remainder, not so great. All right, Hong Kong is considering banning cigars and tobacco to anyone born after 2008. This isn't just a ban saying you've got to be 18 or 21 or 25. This says if you were born after 2008, zero, zero tobacco. You will never be allowed to purchase cigars or tobacco in Hong Kong. Earlier this year, Denmark and the United Kingdom announced they were considering birth year bans on cigar and tobacco sales. And we've seen a number of other governments. New Zealand passed a similar measure last year. This is nothing more than more control. 
Control on adults making personal decisions. It's a small group of bureaucrats that say, we're going to tell you what you can eat, what you can do, how you can live your life. And if you think they're going to stop just at a tobacco ban, they're going to say, well, you know, if you were born after 2008, we're not going to allow you to eat meat anymore. You can't buy it. You can't eat meat anymore. Oh, by the way, we don't want you to eat fish. And oh, by the way, we don't want you to drink. Oh, by the way, if you're born after 2008, you can never drive a gasoline-powered car. If you think these are far-fetched ideas, they're not. It all starts with removing people's rights to choice and freedom. Once you establish that, that gives governments the opportunity. We saw it during the Wuhan virus, during the shutdowns, during the lockdowns, the mandates, the vaccine mask mandates. It allows them to establish control. So when people are born, they don't know the difference. It cannot be allowed to pass. My feeling is... If you are of age, of 18 years of age, you should be able to make your own decision. Look, all these Vote 16 proponents are saying, oh, 16-year-olds have the cognizant ability. Fine. By that standard, then if you're 18, you should be able to have a drink, buy a firearm, and certainly smoke a cigar. And one thing I can tell you that this general will absolutely do around the corner during the International Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony, is fire up a cigar and enjoy 100% maximum pleasure. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. What is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balanced smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. I have been salivating all week long for a cigar. I was so busy this week that I just didn't have the, the time necessary to thoroughly enjoy a cigar. I'm not going to light a cigar if I only have five minutes, ten minutes. I want to be able to relax, thoroughly enjoy the experience. Well, I can tell you, I will absolutely enjoy the cigar litation and libation experience today as I have pulled out a CAO Cameroon. Now, the backstory on the CAO Cameroon, it originally was released in 1998 to celebrate the 30th anniversary of CAO's founding. And it initially was called the CAO Laniversary Siri Cameroon. Now it's just called CAO Cameroon. The packaging has changed. The blend has changed a little bit. But I'll tell you, this Cameroon wrapper is delightful. I love Cameroon. Why? There's a nice sweetness, a nice spiciness. Very difficult to get good Cameroon. It's expensive. The yield isn't great. The Cameroon leaves aren't big. That's why you won't see, you know, it's very rare you'll see big Churchill's double Coronas. You will see them, but you'll see more of these smaller cigars in terms of length. And I have pulled out today the CAO Cameroon Perfecto. Now this looks like a Hemingway, an Arturo Fuente Hemingway. Tapered end at the bottom, a little bulbous towards the two-thirds of the way down, four inches in length with a 48 ring gauge at the peak, which is right around an inch from the foot of the cigar and then it tapers out. Beautiful looking cigar. It has the CAO Cameroon band. It's got a double band on there towards the bottom. For this cigar, looking at 645 suggested retail. Anywhere, it comes in uh, five sizes. A Perfecto, a Bellicoso, kind of a Torpedo, Churchill, a Robusto, and a Toro. Anywhere between 645 and 11 bucks suggested retail. So this is about six and a half bucks. Good looking cigar. Man, love that Cameroon aroma. Binders Nicaraguan. The filler is 
Nicaraguan, nice medium-bodied cigar. Again, it's got a beautiful green, reddish wrapper with some, some almost like a silverish, goldish hue on it. Very elegant-looking cigar. Cannot wait to get my chompers on this CAO Cameroon Perfecto. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. I have in my right hand a self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine ready for cutting maneuvers. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. From the Cigar Dave R&D Labs, I've got the Cigar Dave grenade. Looks like a giant hand grenade, single jet butane flame, big flame, you can hear that. Just a big solid tank, feels like a grenade in my hand, just all the way around. It says Alpha. Alpha, strong lactation device, this will do the job, whether indoors or outdoors. Tons of fuel, so if you're out with the guys playing golf, you're fishing, you're hunting, whatever the case is, loads of butane to like probably at least, I would say, 70, 80 cigars, if not more. Cigar, Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. All right, here comes the cut. Oh, perfect. Absolutely perfect. Let me just get rid of the cap and some of the cuttings here. Put it in the ashtray here. So, there we go. Now... Let me go ahead and toast the foot of this beautiful C.A.O. Cameroon. Boy, does it ever look magnificent. There we go. First the wrapper, then the binder, then the filler, taking our time. Oh, the first few puffs, the first few wafts of the aroma, magnificent. A lot of tooth in this wrapper. Again, just nice spicy, nice sweetness. Love Cameroon. All right, let me puff and rotate. Take my time. No rush. I wish I had more celebratory victory cigars during the midterms, but we did capture the House. We can still even the Senate, even though the tying vote goes to Kuki Kamala. But we're still in the hunt. And remember, the House controls the purse strings. Great draw. Oh. Hmm. Remember, on this Perfecto, there's not... It's a very small area. It's only about... Maybe a third of an inch. So it's a small area. Got to really get it going. Mm. Very nice. Wow. Mm. Again, right off the bat, medium body. Mm. Getting some sweetness, some spiciness. Get some of that really nice, just... Almost an exotic taste off that Nicaraguan binder and wrapper coupled with the Cameroon. Absolutely outstanding. And I got to tell you, six and a half to ten bucks price-wise, can't go wrong. Mm. Beautiful cigar. All right, now I need something to wash it down with. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Well, on election night, I had some McAllen and I had some Johnny Walker Black. And along the way, while I was looking through the bar area here at Command Center Alpha Humidor 1A, I came by a small bottle, a sample bottle that was sent to me by the folks at Johnny Walker. Now, I love Johnny Walker Black. It's got nice smokiness, not too much, a little bit of peatiness, but not over the top. But Johnny Walker Blue is in my hand. Let me tell you something. This is a very, very unique spirit. First up, it is different than Johnny Walker Black in that it is sourced from the Speyside, the Speyside and Highland whiskey varieties. 28 years or older. There is no age statement on this Johnny Walker Blue. But in order to be included, there's 40 different malt and grain whiskey varieties that are included in the Johnny Walker Blue. It's not single barrel. Not single malt, it is a varietal, so basically it is an amalgamation, blended scotch, but the minimum to be included is 28 years old. Now, I have to tell you that looking at this, nice bottle, I love, just blue is my favorite color. I'm gonna open this baby up, here we go. Now we're gonna pour a little bit in. Mmm, mmm, that could be very judicious. 
on using this. We don't want to blow it all in one shot, but mm. wow, nice, nice. Now there is no Islay whiskeys in the Johnny Walker Blue. Thus, not a lot of smokiness, not a lot of peatiness. Very different. Mm. Wonderful, incredible aromas right off the bat. I'm getting nice notes of oak, some fruit, almost berries, a little cedar, a little citrus. Mm. Let me go ahead and say cheers on this. Mm. Mm -mm. Oh, is that good? Gotta take another sip. Mm. Little smokiness, nice toffee. Little maltiness. Oh boy, is this good. Mmm. Mmm-mm-mm. I have to tell you, this it's got a nice polished amber hue color. And the mm, definitely getting a little spice, a little pepper, almost a little toffee with a little bit of a caramel type of note. Nice finish, little warmth. Not overpowering, very nice. Now, the suggested retail, you'll know why I'm being judicious. About 220 bucks for a 750 milliliter bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. Again, different notes than the Johnny Walker Black. Love the Johnny Walker Black, can't go wrong. The Johnny Walker Blue, special occasion, absolutely de delightful. Perfect accompaniment to my Chiao Cameroon. Nice puff of that, take a sip here. Outstanding. When we return, the final and concluding segment of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show comes your way next. Question I receive most from connoisseurs. General, what is the newest cigar that I should try? Easy answer. Right now, it's the Gurkha Revenant. Very unique addition to the Gurkha portfolio. It comes in two different wrappers, a Corojo or a San Andrean Maduro wrapper. What is unique about the Gurkha Revenant? It uses essentially the same Cameroon binder and some broadleaf in the filler. So you're going to get some unique sweetness. You're going to get some unique spice. The San Andres Maduro wrapper adds more sweetness with a little bit more of a unique complexion, whereas the Corojo, more of a medium-bodied balance smoke. Try one of each. You can't go wrong. The brand-new Gurkha Revenant, available in Corojo and San Andres Maduro wrapper. Visit GurkhaCigars.com. One hundred percent USDA certified alpha male with zero trace of wussification. It's the General Cigar, Cigar Dave. Dave. Absolutely mesmerized by my CAO Cameroon and my Johnny Walker Blue. I need to take another sip here. Oh, is that good? Absolutely delicious. Now for... Many of my friends that are located in the Western New York Theater of Operation in the Buffalo area, Colonel Ange, Captain Paul, Exo Tim, Puff Muffin Lori, Lieutenant Gina, uh, or correction, Lieutenant Gary, Mrs. Harem of One Gina, I guarantee they are in the house, nice and toasty, with some fine libations and fine cigars. And I know that even though Colonel Ange will go out in any type of weather, when you're talking about three to four feet of snow, even the pooch pit is temporarily closed for grilling and smoking maneuvers. Got to stay inside. Thinking about all them, the snow just absolutely crazy. That 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 incredible lake effect that's just spewing right from the center of the lake, just dumping like crazy. I saw a picture of Highmark Stadium, the home of the Buffalo Bills, absolutely buried in snow. And, you know, we talk about stupidity all the time, that there's a stupidity syndrome. And I say over half the world is stupid. has nothing to do with economics, has nothing to do with education, nothing to do with demographics. Anybody can be stupid. It makes no difference. We see it all over the place. And the number of people that are saying, oh, we, they, the Bills could have played the game on Sunday, so what if there's snow? It's not about playing the game in the snow. It's the fact 
that you've got all civic resources, police, fire, you've got, you've got uh, all these public works. They are trying to clear the roads. And the last thing you need is 70,000 people congregating in a stadium that, number one, it would take them way longer than two, three days to shovel out. Then you got parking lots that are just buried in three, four feet of snow. It's not practical. So the league decided, in conjunction with the Bills, that they would move the game to Detroit at Ford Field. And then people said, well, this wouldn't happen. They wouldn't have to move the, the game if, it was, if the Buffalo Bills had a dome stadium. You cannot, sometimes you just, no matter how hard you try, you cannot convince stupid people of facts. And the fact is, even if the stadium was domed and there's no snow in a stadium, you have parking lots that are jammed. You would have to take three, 400 police and take them off their current duty. I mean, they're talking, they've got the National Guard out to help with some snow repair and, and other items to try to get the these streets cleared and the problem is is that once they clear it the another band of lake effect snow you know at three four inches per hour comes dumping again on the city or or various parts again the amount of stupidity that is rampant around the world is incredible when i see these people saying oh we should play the game it's great as our football played in the snow it's not about the stadium it's not about the game. It's the fact that you cannot have 70,000 people driving on roads you're trying to clear, and the snowstorm is probably going to be clearing right around Sunday. Not enough time. So the Bills will play in Detroit. They played there in 2015 when there was another snowstorm. They played on a Monday night. They beat the New York Jets. So how ironic is this? There's another snowstorm. They play in Detroit at Ford Field. Sunday, 1 o'clock, against the Cleveland Brownies. And then they will fly back to Buffalo, go back to their training facility. It's only a 35-minute flight, so it's not bad. They'll practice Monday, Tuesday. They'll have probably practice and meetings Wednesday, and then early Wednesday afternoon, fly back to Detroit for the Thanksgiving Day game, the early game on CBS 12:30. The Lions and the Bills from Ford Field. How crazy is that? They're playing Sunday and again Thursday. And I was listening to general manager Brandon Bean, and he said, to make things uniform, we're going to use the visitor's locker room for both games, the visitor's coaching box, the visitor's sideline. The one good thing is they don't have to transport all their equipment back to Buffalo. It all goes on a truck. So that at least will stay there. So that makes things somewhat easier. But nonetheless, it's amazing. You think that you get... Uh, uh, curveballs thrown at you with injuries or other things, but whether it's a hurricane, whether it's a snowstorm, you got to be ready. And the teams that are able to acclimate and able to adjust, those are the teams that will win. Maybe this is a sign. Putting the Bills through all the injuries that they've experienced and, and these having to move for a snowstorm to Detroit, maybe that's the adversity they need to overcome and have a great second half of the season to propel them to a Super Bowl championship. Who knows? A very unique birthday celebration took place at The Lodge, a gentleman's erotic establishment in Dallas, Texas. Don't mess with Texas. Now, let's face it. Everything is big in Texas. Big hair, big boobs. Jack Poma. Actually, his full name is Jacino Jack Poma celebrated his 100th birthday, a centenarian, and he marked the milestone by having his daughter take him to the Lodge and Upscale Gentlemen's Club in Dallas, where he was surrounded by a bevy of bodacious, busty beauties. His daughter, Dina, said that the strip club was the, per- correction, the Gentlemen's Club was the perfect place for her father to celebrate his 100th birthday as he loves two things in life, women generally and boobs specifically. They're called boobs, Ed. Who doesn't love boobs? I have never met a large, bodacious rack that I didn't love. And clearly, Jack Poma, at 100 years of age, is the exact same way. Now, I'm looking at some pictures, and it was uh, uh, on the TMZ website, where he is just going to town 
on these large, bodacious beauties. Uh, he's being fed a plate of pasta by one of the scantily clad babes. And then another picture shows the uh, birthday boy getting handsy with one of the exotic dancers who treated him to a lap dance. And he was seen squeezing her large, bodacious breasts, her boobs, clutching her bare ass before burying his head in her ginormous butt. Uh, b- uh, bust, correction. <laughs> Freudian slip. Bust. He was motorboating her. <laughs> Absolutely spectacular. Good for Jack Poma. 100 years of age. Also pictured kissing another woman's clavigial area, or decolletage, before blowing out the candles on his birthday. And I say more power to this man, to Giacchino Jack Poma. 100 years of age. His wife passed away 12 years ago. And uh, he was dating another elderly woman. She passed away last year. Clearly, Jack Poma, 100, the testosterone is raging, still is an alpha. He didn't just sit there. He enjoyed, he partook in the experience. And I say more power to him. Send him out to the Moonlight Bunny Ranch for some horizontal pleasure maneuvers. But this is fantastic. And his daughter said that, she was happy to drive him for his birthday, and she was always there to make to make sure he didn't act inappropriately. Well, the girls were having a great time. He was having a great time, and I say more power to him. We need more men like Jack Poma. 100, frisky, still loves women's boobs. And there's a huge problem going on in the world. Headline, sperm counts worldwide have plunged 62% in under 50 years. New study that was published this past Tuesday in the journal Human Reproduction Update, found that the concentration of sperm among men dropped by more than 51% from 101.2 million sperm per milliliter of semen to 49 million sperm per milliliter of semen. This is a travesty. So global Sperm counts now between 1973 and and 2018 are down 62% overall. And during the same period, the concentration of sperm down 51%. Now, apparently you are considered to have low sperm if it's below 15 million per milliliter. That's a lot of spermatozoa in there. But according to Professor Hagi Levine of the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, who led the study... He said the drop is alarming, that there is a serious problem on the, on the world's hands, if not mitigated, that could threaten mankind's survival. He said the findings serve as a canary in the coal mine. Now, he doesn't address what is causing the declines, but other researchers have tied falling sperm counts to obesity, sedentary lifestyles, smoking, exposure to certain chemicals, and pesticides. Wrong, incorrect, negatory, negative. I'll tell you exactly what the problem is. It is WPF syndrome that is raging across the globe. That is the wussification, pussification, and feminization of males worldwide. Now, did you notice when the date started? When did we start seeing the lower sperm counts? Started in 1973. That's the beginning. What took place in 1973? The rise of the feminist movement. The rise of now, National Organization of Ugly Women. It's N-O-U-G, National Association of Women that can get laid if their life depended on it. That's the fact. This has, maybe it has to do with lifestyle, with obesity, sedentary. But I am telling you, What happens when you feminize, wussify, pussify a male from the time he comes out of the womb? You feminize him. You make him feel that being a man, being being a male is, is wrong. That every potential male, every male is a potential threat to women. Every male is a potential threat sexual deviant, a sexual predator. And what do we see in the schools? They're giving more attention to women. We're seeing the rise of more one-parent households where there's just a female. There's no alpha role model. 
What happens when you have a, 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 a baby, a child, a young adult, an adolescent that doesn't have an alpha male role model, that just has a mother who is, who is overseeing everything? He becomes feminized. Not necessarily by design. In many cases, it, it is. But becomes feminized. And now we're seeing women that want men to be wussified and pussified and feminized because men are evil. Men are the root of all the causes of women. Never mind that more women today graduate from college than men. Never mind there are more women graduating with postgraduate degrees. Never mind that the glass ceiling was shattered ages ago. You want to be an attorney if you're a female, you want to be a CEO, you want to be a pilot, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a banker, you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be a broadcaster, you can do anything you want. This is not 1822. This is not 1922. It is 2022. Now, not only is the low sperm counts, are they bad in terms of procreating in the future? But the research sounds alarms, alarm bells for both male fertility and for men's health in general because low sperm counts are associated with increased risk of chronic disease, testicular cancer, and a decreased lifespan. Uh, lifespan. I always say, it is very important, just like plumbing. you got to keep the water moving through those pipes. What happens when you go away for the winter or the summer in your house and you don't use the pipes? You get pipe bursts, you get ruptures, you get cracks in the pipes. It's the same thing with men. You want to keep those pipes moving, man. That is why you need to have a harem. So if the wife says, ah, I'm too tired tonight, no problem. You go to plan B. Imperative for men to make sure that their sexual parts, their sexual organs, everything is working, is flowing. You want to keep the prostate in good health, the testicles, the tallywhacker. You got to make sure everything's properly working. And I always say the best remedy is get laid more. More sex, get laid. It is nature's best medicine, good for your reproductive system. And research has shown that the more people have sex, the more males that have sex on a regular basis, three, four times a week, lower incidence of prostate cancer. Very important. You want to make sure you keep everything, all the pipes nice and lubricated, everything flowing properly. Whether it's with your harem of one, or whether it's your harem of 32, or it's just with yourself. So very important, we are seeing the decline of men's sperm counts, and I am telling you, it is related to the wussification, the pussification, and the feminization of males worldwide. WPF syndrome. We are producing beta males from the time they are out of the womb. It must be changed. We need more men to stand up and say, I'm proud to be an alpha male. I do not apologize for having raging amounts of testosterone. I do not apologize for taking charge. I do not apologize for wanting to be successful. I don't count out to anyone. I don't need to bow to anyone. I don't need to apologize to women. They have the same, if not more, opportunities than men. And it's about time that men buck up and act like alpha males. Enough of this beta bullshit. Finally, good news for those of you that love buffalo chicken wings. The birthplace of the Buffalo Chicken Wing, Frank and Teresa's Anchor Bar, Main Street in downtown Buffalo, just announced they are expanding nationwide. They're adding six locations. Currently, the original on Main Street in Buffalo, that is the, that is the mecca of chicken wings. Not only that, they have great pizza. They've got great uh, beef on weck, huge menu. You walk in, you see the bar. It's just... It, the smell of chicken wings, of the hot sauce, you can smell literally 200 feet away from the time you walk into the restaurant. You get out of your car and you can smell it. You open the door, you're in absolute heaven. The original is, is the place. That is where you want to go. But if you can't make it there, there are other locations. Right now, there are 13 other Anchor Bar locations. There are five in the Buffalo and Western New York area. Four in Texas. I did not know that. And there's one in Hamilton, Ontario, and there's one in the Buffalo-Niagara International Airport. And the place is lined up at all times of day. But the Anchor Bar announced they are going to be opening new locations in the following 
cities. So good news, if you live in any of these areas, you will be able to enjoy the Frank and Teresa's Anchor Bar experience. Great Wings. Here are the locations. Bradenton, Florida, just south of the Cigar City of Tampa. Cincinnati, Ohio. Sergeant Steve is from Cincinnati originally. He's a big Skyline chili guy, but he also loves Frank and Teresa's Anchor Bar. He has been to the original. Good news for those of you in Cincinnati. College Station, Texas, home of Texas A&M. The Texas, I always call them A&M to be, you know, it's the Aggies, but to be politically correct, they're the Agro-Americans. The Texas A&M Agro-Americans. Leesburg, Virginia, just outside of Washington, in the Orlando-Lakeland, Florida area, just to the east of Tampa. I don't know if it's going to be in Orlando or Lakeland, but they said Orlando-Lakeland. And Raleigh, North Carolina, big contingency of former Buffalonians. So, Bradenton, Florida, Cincinnati, Ohio, College Station, Texas, Leesburg, Virginia, Orlando slash Lakeland, Florida, Raleigh, North Carolina. I can tell you one thing. If they open in Bradenton or Orlando, Lakeland, I will be there front and center enjoying probably, uh, let's see, I'll get maybe 10 medium, extra crispy, and maybe I'll get uh, 10, I think they also do a barbecue medium, extra crispy. And their pizza is fantastic. If they have the same menu as they do in the original, great place to go. Beef on Weck, which is sliced roast beef, beef on a Kimmelwick roll, which is a Kaiser roll with caraway seeds and kosher salt. Oh, with the au jus sauce, absolutely delicious. Can't go wrong. So that is a great note to end on. I'm salivating now. I've got my Johnny Walker blue. I've got my CAO Cameroon. And now I'm going to be thinking nonstop about Anchor Bar Wings and pizza and beef on Weck until the next time I visit Buffalo. And I can tell you one thing, it will not be in the winter. But for those of you that are stuck in the snow, stay warm, stay safe, light your cigar, get that fireplace going, pour yourself a cocktail, enjoy the weekend. Before you know it, the Bills game will be there or will be uh, on the uh, on TV. And then it'll be Thanksgiving. The snow will melt. Listen, a good thaw, boom, everything melts, and they're back to normal, and the lake will get a little chillier, and that'll end the lake effect snow for the season. Wherever you may be this weekend, enjoy. Just one quick note. On Monday afternoon, we will be dropping a special Cigar Dave Show edition where I will go over the various methods of cooking your Thanksgiving Day bird, whether it is... Smoking your bird, grilling your bird, roasting your bird, frying your bird. We've got all the different variations. To me, frying is the best way. Get yourself an electric fryer. Super easy. Three minutes per pound. It is the only way to go. And the turkey is delicious. It's moist. It's just fantastic. Can't wait until we get to that show on Monday. So be on the lookout for that. Everything you need to know about uh, cooking your turkey and then we will celebrate, of course, Thanksgiving next week. Cigar Dave the General saying, May our humidor always be full. May our cutter always be sharp. May our ash be extra, extra long. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. For all my buddies up in Buffalo and the Western New York Theater of Operations, stay warm. Have yourself a six-pack. Fire up a cigar. Enjoy the weekend. Go Bills. Go Bills.